you swear or affirm that the testimony you will give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Yes. Thank you. Please make yourself comfortable. May I proceed, Your Honor? Yes, please. State your name for the record, please. Amber Renee Geiger. Amber, you're uh, going to have to keep your voice up while you testify, okay? Okay. How old are you, Amber? 31. Are you married or single? Single. Have any children? No, sir. All right. Uh, where were you born and raised? In Arlington, Texas. Uh, and do you have any brothers or sisters? I have one brother and one sister. Okay. Who's the oldest? My sister, Allie. Your sister, Allie? Allie. How much older is Allie? Uh, she's 38. 38? Yes, sir. Okay. How about your brother? How much older is he? He's two years older than I am. What's his name? David. What's he do for a living? He's in the Navy. How about your sister? She works at a restaurant. Okay. Uh, so you were the youngest? Yes, sir. When you grew up, were your parents living together? No, they were not. Okay. Uh, when you were, as a, a small child, were they living together for some time? Yes, they did for a little bit. What time uh, uh, did they separate? About when I was five years old. Uh, who primarily raised you after that? My mom did. In Arlington? Yes, sir. Did your mother work? She did for a like when beginning when I was a childhood. Okay. Did she have a full-time job? Part-time job. How were y'all, uh, the family, provided for financially? My dad helped out a lot with us. Was your mother primarily a stay-at-home mom when you were younger? Yes, sir. Uh, and what part of Arlington did you live in? In the east part of Arlington. Okay. Were you in a big house, small house? It was a small house. Uh, tell the jury uh, where you went to school in Arlington. I went to elementary to Blanton Elementary, and then I went to Carter Junior High, and then I went to Sam Houston High School. Graduated from Sam Houston High School? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, when you were in high school, did you have any extracurricular activities? Yes, I did. What were those? Um, I was in swimming, band, orchestra, and I played in mariachi band. Okay. So you, you, you enjoyed music? Yes, sir, I did. What type of instruments did you play? I played violin and trumpet. Okay. When did you learn to play the violin? Um, I started playing violin when I was in the fifth grade. And I picked up trumpet when I was in the ninth grade. Okay. So you were in the marching band and the orchestra? Yes, sir. And you also joined the mariachi band? Yes, sir. When did you join that? I joined it my junior year of high school. Okay. And what instruments did you play in the mariachi band? Um, violin, trumpet, and I sang. Okay. Uh, did you continue that after you graduated? Yes, sir, I did. Um, did it for about six years. Um, some of the girls that were in the with us in high school, we started our own, and we just go to like quinceañeras, to Mother's Day, Father's Day, to birthday parties, and just perform. Okay. The neighborhood you grew up in and the school you went to was it uh, uh, multiracial? Yes, sir, it was. All right. uh, let me talk a little bit about uh, other activities in high school. Did you begin to work when you were in high school? Yes, I did. Tell the jury what, what job, your job you held while you were in high school. I worked at a retail store called Stephen Berry's in Arlington. And what did you do at the retail store? I was a retail associate and ended up working my way up to an assistant manager. How, how many hours did you work while you were in high school? It was full time. 
Now, when you were growing up, uh, you eventually became a Dallas police officer. Did you uh, figure out what you wanted to be when you were a, a little kid? Yes, sir, I did. About how old were you when, when you started thinking about it? I was about six years old when okay. I was young. Did you uh, continue with that and, and still have that desire as you grew up? Yes, I did. Why did you want to be a police officer? I just wanted to help people, and that was the one career that I thought I could help people in. In high school, did you do anything to try to further your, your goal and become a police officer? Yes, sir, I did. I did ride-alongs with the Arlington Police Department. Uh, and after you graduated from high school, had you looked in or researched what you would need as far as background to apply and become a police officer uh, here in Texas? Yes, sir, I did. And what types of things did you need to do before you become a police officer? I had to attain a certain number of college hours to apply to different departments. Okay. So after you're out of high school, uh, uh, did you uh, uh, start going and to try to achieve those college hours? Yes, sir, I did. Where'd you go? I went to Tarrant County Community College in Arlington, and then I went to UTA to finish, um, to do my degree in criminology. Did you move out of your house after you got out of high school? Yes, sir, I did. Uh, how'd you pay for your school? Um, on my own. Okay. Uh, did you continue working at the uh, sales job you had? No, sir, I did not. What did you do to, to earn money to go to school and to live on? I started working at TGI Fridays and was a waitress there for a few, or a lot of years. Okay. How many hours were you working while you were going to school? Full time as well. Forty hours. More than 40 hours. Okay. And how many hours would you take at a semester usually? Full-time, 12 hours a semester. 12 hours? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, once you uh, started going to uh, the University of Texas at Arlington, what was your major? It was criminology. Okay. How many hours did you eventually uh, accumulate there at UTA? It was a little over 100 hours. Okay. You didn't get uh, enough quite to get a degree, though? No, sir. All right. Now. Your research uh, into hours needed, uh, had you looked into the Dallas Police Department, how many hours they required? Yes, sir, I did. How many did they require at the time you applied? Uh, yeah, it was about 45 hours. Okay. Did you make a decision then at that time to apply with the Dallas Police Department? Yes, sir, I did. And were you accepted? Yes, I was. When did, uh, when did you start at the academy? Um, first day was November 6 of 2013. November 6, 2013. Yes, sir. How did it feel uh, to get accepted to the Dallas Police Department? It was good. It was the one thing I've always wanted to do since I was little and was happy I finally got to reach my goal. Okay. I want to talk with you a little bit about uh, what you went through and what you learned at the Academy, okay? Yes, sir. How long is uh, the Dallas Police Academy? It's eight and a half months long. Okay. How many uh, uh, days a week do you attend the Academy? Monday through Friday. How many hours? Um, 40 hours. 40 hours a week? Yes, sir. Uh, and how many uh, classmates did you have in the academy? We started out with 46 recruits and ended up with 36 recruits. Okay. And uh, what types of classes are you taking uh, during, during the day at the academy? Um, you're taking a lot of penal code, code of criminal procedure. You're learning um, how to do traffic stops, use of force. Uh, you go to the shooting range. Okay. Uh, let me ask you a few questions about that. Were you trained 
when confronting a suspect who you, you, you may feel is dangerous on how to handle that situation? Judge, I don't object to the lady at this point. State whether it's a fact or not that you had some training about whether uh, 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 you were trained in the area of handling a suspect you might be named. Judge, I'm going to object to the form of the question for the state of particular matter. I, I request to be questioned and answered. Oh, go ahead, Mr. Yes, we did. Uh, tell us some of the things. Did, did they, were you instructed on, on commands? Yes, sir. Okay. Tell the jury what, how you instructed about um, we did a lot of verbal commands, and the one command that was important is to always see the suspect's hands. Okay. And why, why did you need to see the suspect's hands? Why were you trying to, to learn that? The hands, if you can't see them, um, there's what they're usually reaching for a weapon that's going to be used against us. Okay. So it's important to find those hands and see them? Yes, sir. Uh, were you instructed on the type of command to give a person when you confronted them in that way? Yes, we were. And what was that command? And let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Okay. Was that uh, talked to you more than once? Yes, they drilled it into us. Okay. Did you receive any training uh, in regards to how close uh, if, if uh, a suspect should get to you? Yes, we did. And what was that about? Um, the closer the suspect would get to us, it's, it would be a bad day for us. You never wanted anyone to get close to you. And did you successfully graduate from the academy? Yes, I did. Uh, how did that make you feel to go to that graduation, sir? I was happy. Uh, family and friends there? Yes, they were. Okay. Um, now, the Dallas Police Department is divided up into different patrol divisions. Is that right? Yes, sir. What, and, and, and when you graduate, you assigned to a, a particular division uh, when you come out as a rookie officer? Yes, sir, we were. Okay, where were you assigned? I was assigned to the Southeast Division. Okay, and by that description, that covers the Southeast part of Dallas? Yes, sir. Uh, is that a division that you uh, wanted to be assigned to? Yes, it was. And why did you want to be in the Southeast Patrol Division? That's where um, we were always told where you could learn the most and grow the most as a police officer. You would see a different variety of it, crime and it was just a place where you were always going to stay busy. You could never be bored there. Okay. And uh, when you started as a patrol officer, are you, are you put out on your own right away or is there some further training? There's some training you have to go through. What type of training is that? We have to ride, um, it's three phases phase one, phase two, and phase three. Um, each phase lasts about six weeks long and we ride with a trainer. How many weeks long with each one? Six weeks. Okay. Did you successfully make it through that type of training? Yes, I did. And after that, are you released on your own to patrol by yourself, or is there some further training? There's a little more further training. We have to ride around with our a little T partner, which is a more experienced officer. Okay. And you made it through that? Yes, sir. After that, you were a regular patrol officer uh, with the Dallas Police Department? Yes, sir, I was. And what types of duties do you have as a patrol officer? We respond to calls mainly and just patrol the area. Okay. How long did you do that? I did it for a few years. Okay. Did you uh, 
find that type of police work uh, uh, rewarding as far as rewarding as you thought it'd be? Yes, sir, I did. Uh, at some point in your career, did you want to move up to a, a, another uh, section uh, in the police department? Yes, I did. And what was that? It was our CR team, CRT, and it stands for Crime Reduction Team. Okay. Does each division, uh, uh, geographic or headquarters, like Southeast, Southwest, do they all have their own CRT team? Yes, sir, they do. Had you seen and know some of the officers that work in the Southeast CRT team? I didn't know any at the time when I applied. Okay. Uh, tell the jury what the application process is about. We put in an application, and once we had to go through an interview process in front of a couple of sergeants, they just go through a lot of scenarios and questions and what we would do in those in those instances. Did, were you accepted the CRT, CRT team? Yes, I was. And when was that? That was in the beginning of January of 2017. Okay. Uh, how many uh, officers were in the CRT team with the, the section you were in? There are five. And were you the only female officer? Yes, sir, I was. Uh, and what types of things does the, the CRT team do? Um, we focus primarily on drug complaints that we receive from citizens. And we also um, create our own investigations and just um, we would assist DEA, a lot of FBI, and if they needed help apprehending a wanted felon. And how is that different from a, a regular patrol officer? Um, we don't respond to as many calls as a regular patrol officer would. It's more self-initiated activity. Uh, uh, is it something different every day that you encounter on the CRT team? Yes, it is. Okay. Did you enjoy that? I did. All right. Now, uh, you didn't know those officers real well when you joined, but did you quickly come to know them? Yes, I did. Uh, and do you often work as partners in the CRT team? Yes, we do. Uh, did you uh, partner up with different officers when you first got into the division? Yes, I did. And you met Martin Rivera, and he was part of that team? Yes, sir, he was. And did you know him at all before you joined the CRT? No, CRT I didn't. Team? No, sir. Okay. Uh, after you had worked with some of the officers, uh, did you uh, have a desire to work as a partner with Officer Rivera? Yes, I did. And tell the jury why. He was the one officer that I looked up to, that he had a lot of experience, and I felt comfortable and safe around that we could find stuff and create our own work. Uh, had he been in the CRT, or was he one of the, was he the oldest officer on that team? Yes, sir, he was. And had the most experience? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, and did y'all begin a close working relationship? Yes, we did. Uh, I'm going to object again to the ongoing leading. As partners, how long would y'all stay uh, uh, together during the day, during the shift? Eight hours a day. Uh, spent a lot of time together. Yes, we did. Uh, as far as Martin Rivera goes, did, did uh, y'all develop an even closer relationship? Yes, we did. Uh, we've heard evidence, we've seen evidence of text messages. We've heard some testimony from Officer Rivera. At some point in time after you became partners, did that develop into a sexual relationship? Yes, it did. Uh, did people know about that? No, not many. Did you not want people to know? I did not. Why? I was embarrassed because he was married. 
And as far as the sexual relationship, is that something you engaged in, uh, sex with Mark Rivera on a, uh, a daily basis or an often, often time? It wasn't that often. How often did you say that? Maybe once a month. Did y'all start uh, texting each other, sending each other sexually explicit photographs, that sort of thing? Yes, we did. Uh, did that become a, a routine habit between the two of us? Yes, it did. Uh, how long did that part of the relationship, the sexual relationship, last? A year at the most. Do you remember the exact time of the, when, when the sexual part of the relationship, the sexual relations ended? No, it had to be either late. 2017, early 2018. You don't remember exactly? No, I do not. Uh, and why did uh, that part of the relationship come to an end? I knew it was morally wrong. I didn't want to hurt anybody, and I was, knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. Okay. Uh, did you remain close to Mark Rivera? Yes, we did. Uh, did you continue uh, these sexual flirtations, texts, photographs? I did. Did you, uh, were you still working uh, in the same relationship as partners? Yes, sir, on and off. Describe that, how, how that worked, how often you worked or how often you worked with the other officers. Um, I would ride around with other officers, um, some of the guys, Justin, Mac, and Bruce on the CRT team. Now, where were you living uh, in early 2018? I was living up in Uptown Dallas off McKinney Avenue. Living uh, was with anyone or, or? Just by myself. Yeah. Uh, did you have any, any pets, anything like that? I did. I got my dog Ranger. He's a little Yorkie in 2018. What part of 2018? The beginning of 2018. Uh, when your lease was about to be up, did you make a decision about uh, whether you were going to stay in that place or go somewhere else? I wanted to go somewhere else. Tell the jury why. I was a courtesy officer at the place in Uptown, and I decided I just got tired of responding to loud music calls, and we would constantly have to patrol the area, so I decided I didn't want to do that and just wanted some freedom. Tell them a little more what a courtesy officer is. Courtesy officer. Courtesy officer. Um, we just respond to a loud music complaint that uh, a resident would put in, and we would there would be a lot of break-ins in the garages, so we would have to report those and do a report on them. Do you get a benefit from being a courtesy officer? Yes, they would give us a discount on our rent for doing that. Uh, so you decided that you were going to go someplace else. Yes, I did. And where 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 did you decide to go? To the South Side Flats. Why did you choose uh, the South Side Flats? It was close to work. Didn't have to drive as far. Okay. Um, and when did you move in there? Um, it was mid-July of 2018. The, the apartment number you lived in was what? 1378. Okay. We've seen the floor plan for that. It's a, 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 it's been put in that yes. one-bedroom one apartment. Yes, sir. And who did you live there with? Just my dog. Okay. The photographs we've seen of the evidence for your apartment, is that how it was always furnished? Yes, sir. Uh, after you moved in there, 
did you encounter some problems with some 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 crime problems with the South Side flats or the area around it? Yes, sir. Did you do any research on that? I did. I would look um, whenever I would go to work. I would just look at the crime or what was happening in that area. Okay. And what types of things did you see in that area? There would be a lot of robberies and a lot of break-ins in that area. Okay. Did you ever encounter people uh, on the property that gave you some concern at times? Yes, I did. There would be a lot of times when I was driving into work that there would be people, or like homeless people, passed out on the patio chairs in the pool area. Uh, any idea how they were able to gain access? They would jump the fence. It wasn't that high of a fence, so that's how they would get in. Uh, how about with your dog? Did you ever have to take him outside the property? I did. And when would you do that? I would do it every morning. I would wake up and when I got home from work and whenever I would get um, ready to go to bed. Okay. Did you have any safety concerns about that? I did. And what precautions did you have? I would carry a pocket knife with me when walking him. Okay. I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about your routine. When you were living at the South Side Flats, okay. Uh, what time would you usually go to bed? Around midnight. And what was your work schedule? What days would you usually work? I worked Monday through Friday, eight to four. Okay. Uh, did you also work a part-time job? Yes, I did. And when was that? That was Sunday mornings, and it would it was at First Baptist Church, and I would that would be from eight a.m. to one p.m. Okay. Did you do that every Sunday? Yes, sir. So your, uh, what would be your usual day off then? Just Saturday. You could have had Sunday off, but you chose to work that extra job. Yes, sir. Uh, did these, uh, your duties as a CRT officer in that team, did you sometimes work overtime? Yes, we did. Anything? That wasn't unusual? No, sir. Uh, if you weren't... Uh, Working overtime, what time would you usually get home to the south side? Um, it would be around late 4 o'clock, almost maybe at the latest 4.45. Okay. Did you have anything specific you like to do in the evening when you got home? Yes, I did. What's that? I always like to go work out. Okay. Why did you like to work out? It relieved a lot of stress. You see a lot of stuff that you don't want to see on a daily basis, and that was my way of relieving that stress and trying to feel normal. Is that what you did on a daily basis, a workout? Yes, sir, I did. Uh, how about if you worked overtime, long hours? I would still go work out. That was your routine, regular routine? Yes. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this, when you would uh, uh, go to the Southeast Substation, did you, uh, what route would you take? I would just take, um, go on Lamar Street, and I would turn left onto Corn the Street until I got to Cesar Chavez, and that's whenever I would jump on the ramp to 175. Did you take the same route to and from work every day? Yes, sir, I did. Uh, where would you park in the uh, south side? I would park on the third floor. Uh, were those floors clearly marked as the third, fourth, second floor? No, sir. Uh, did you have a specific area you like to park in? 
in the first, the front area of the parking on parking garage on the third floor. Okay. And uh, when you park, how would you get to your apartment? I would walk through, with, I think it's considered the south hallway of the apartment complex. Are those the, the hallway we've seen on the photographs that have been entered into evidence? Yes, sir. Um, when you would go down that first long hallway and take a left, how did you know when you were coming to your apartment? When turning left, there's a guardrail, um, a wooden wrought iron guardrail, and it looks over the balcony of the courtyard. Okay. And, and why is that a landmark? That's where I know my door is. Okay. Is, it, is it near that, that balcony? Yes, sir. Uh, what side of the hallway is it on? It's on the left-hand side. Okay. As you're walking towards it, is it on the right-hand or left-hand side? The balcony's on the left-hand. Okay. And then your apartment is where? On the right hand side. That's 1378. Yes, sir. I want to turn your attention uh, to the week where Thursday, September 6, 2018. Okay? Yes, sir. All right. Let's, let's start at the first of the week. Uh, did you work your extra job on that Sunday? Yes, sir, I did. That Monday, uh, was, uh, was that, uh, that was a holiday, I believe. Yes, sir. What type, what holiday was that? I believe it was Labor Day. Okay. Did you work that? Yes, sir. And we, we have the records and evidence. Uh, you worked all the way through Thursday, is that right? Yes, sir. You worked overtime on some of those days? Yes, I did. Uh, how much overtime did you recall? Um, by the end of Thursday, I believe I was at 44 hours. Okay. Uh, that's something that would often happen when you worked in that division? Yes, sir. At some point during the week, uh, had you made a request for some time off? I did. Tell the truth uh, when you made that request. I made it earlier in the week. I wanted to take off the Friday. So that was your plan to take off Friday? Yes, sir. Right. Let's talk about uh, that day, uh, September 6th of, uh, of 2018. Uh, was anything going on in your apartments, or you've been alerted to something that might happen in the apartments that week? Yes, um, they were. The apartment complex sent out an email that they were doing a moisture inspection um, that whole week, and we wouldn't know when they would come. They would just come between the hours or eight to four, or eight to five. Okay, during the day. Yes, sir. Did you uh, uh, did that concern you about your your little dog Ranger? Yes, it did. Okay. What, uh, uh, what were your concerns about that? I didn't want the maintenance, or whenever Ranger, the maintenance man, Ranger likes to roam around, and I didn't want him to open the door and let Ranger out. Okay, so what did you do with Ranger? I took him to my mom's. Uh, where'd your mom live? She lives in Arlington. When did you take the Ranger to uh, your mom's? That previous Sunday. Okay, so he wasn't there that week? No, sir. Uh, on that morning of September 6th, what time did you wake up? At 5.30. Let me ask you, you, you told us earlier you can go to bed usually at what time? Around midnight. Okay. Uh, do you always go to sleep right away? No. Do you have trouble doing that sometimes? Yes, sir. Uh, every night or how long? It varies. 
Uh, it's not every night. It could be two or three nights a week. How long does it take you to get to sleep? A few hours. Uh, are you able to catch up on that sleep sometimes? Yes, sir. When do you do that? I usually do it on Saturday mornings. On your day off? Yes, sir. Uh, you got up at your regular time that day? Yes, sir. Uh, what time did you leave for work at the Southeast substation? It was around 7.20 a.m. Okay. Uh, when you left, uh, did, you, did you tell the jury how you left your apartment? I drove out the garage. No, no, before that, your actual apartment, uh, the apartment. Oh, uh, I would leave and lock my door. That's your normal routine? Yes, sir. Uh, would you make sure the door was locked? Yes, sir. Uh, did you ever have any trouble locking the door? There were times when you do have trouble locking the door. What type of trouble? You would put the key in, and even though you would turn it, it wouldn't lock all the way. And you would have to pull the door and work with it to make it the deadbolt go into the key. On that day when you left it, was it your normal routine to make sure that door was locked? Yes, yes, sir. Uh, or was it locked then? Yes, sir. If you leave your lights on or off? I turn them off. How about your TV? Do you leave that on or off? Off. So you left around 7.30 and, and then went to work? Yes, sir. Uh, what did you do when you first got to work that day? I got on the computer and did some re research of what crime was going on and what we could start on something that day. Okay. And as you progressed through the day, were you uh, assigned with the other officers to go somewhere? Yes, we were. And what was that? We were assigned to go help um, uh, the SWAT team help locate these robbery suspects that we have been looking for. Are those some suspects that you and others on the team had already been working on? Yes, they were. Okay. What, what new information did y'all get that caused y'all to have to meet with SWAT that day? We got um, notification that they received a ping and located three of the suspects. Ping, is that how they find someone to a phone? Yes, sir. Do uh, you remember about what time you, you and your other officers met up at SWAT? It was around 12, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Okay. And where was that location in Dallas? It's at the Central Substation in downtown Dallas. Uh, was a plan uh, uh, given to you at that time about what your role in, the, in this operation would be? Yes, it was. And what was uh, your role going to be in the other CRT office? We were the ones responsible for um, the perimeter around the area in which SWAT would be serving the warrant. Okay. After uh, you were given the plan, what, what happened then? Um, we followed SWAT to the location, which I believe was on Elsie Faye Hagen's. Okay. Once you got there, what did you and uh, who were you working with the department that day? I was working with Martin. What did y'all do once you arrived at this at that scene? We parked um, on the street on perimeter, so we wouldn't allow traffic or any people to walk in front of the area in which SWAT was serving the warrant. Okay. Is this where SWAT went, uh, SWAT went charging in, or 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 did they uh, try to get the suspects to come out? They um, try to they got this they try to get the suspects called out through. Uh, a microphone so they wouldn't have to force entry into the place. Okay. Now are these the same suspects that you had been working on with your team? Yes sir. And uh, what did you know about these particular suspects? 
that they usually they were armed and very violent. Yeah. Even though you're, when you say perimeter, uh, how close were you to the actual house for Schwadis? It was about maybe 30 feet away. Wasn't that far? Yeah. Were you near or the corner there? The corner. Yeah. Uh, so are you and Officer Rivera and the other CRT uh, members? Uh, kind of standing around or, or uh, is it a, a tense situation at that point? It's a tense situation at that point. Why is that? Um, usually if whenever SWAT, the person runs out of the house, we're the ones responsible for running after the suspects. Did everything go pretty smoothly that day? Yes, it did. Did the suspects come out right away? No, it took them an hour or more to, for them to come out. Okay. Did SWAT uh, have to use some... some something to get the suspects out? Yes, they had to use tear gas to get the suspects out. Okay. Uh, did the tear gas bother you in any way that day? No, sir. All right. Once they brought the suspects out, what, what happened next? Um, we are, all of our CRT guys were responsible for transporting the suspects to um, headquarters. Okay. And did you do that? Yes, I did. I believe, I'm not too familiar with how they do their procedures on tear gas, but I know they throw it in there. Okay. Right. Uh, so y'all made it down to uh, headquarters where they'd be interviewed? Yes, sir. And where's that headquarters? That's located at Jack Evans off of Lamar Street. Is that close to, to the south side flats? Yes, sir. Once y'all got at headquarters, what happened then? Um, we put all three of the robbery suspects inside um, a room and waited for them to be interviewed by our robbery detectives. That takes some time? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, at some point, did some of the officers on the team leave? Yes, they did. Who left? My partner, Martin, did. Do you remember about what time he left? About 5.30ish or 6. Do you know where he was going? Yes, I did. Where was he going? He was going to go to a Boy Scout meeting for his kids. Oh. Any of the other members of the team leave all, uh, at some other time? Yes, they did. Who was that? It was um, Bruce. He left. Okay. Why did he leave? He had to go to an extra job that night. Okay. So as you were waiting on the suspects to be interviewed, that's a little bit of downtime for you. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. Did you all eventually get something to eat that evening? Yes, sir. Uh, where did you get something to eat? Um, one of my one of the guys on the team and I we walked down to a Zalot Pizza. It was right in near headquarters. Did you bring that back for everyone? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, at some point in time, then did you uh, were, were you asked to transport those prisoners over to the stair jail? Yes, we were. Okay. Now we've seen in the evidence that after Martin Rivera left, close to 6 p.m., did he send you a text message? Yes, he did. Okay, that's the one I think where it says, uh, what time can I come over? Yes. And then you responded to it, correctly? Yes, sir, I did. And uh, you said you can come over, uh, I forget what, what you used on there, but it was a sexual connotation, correct? Yes, sir. Right. Is this the type of text y'all often sent to each other? Yes, it was. Was there ever uh, 
a real plan for Martin Rivera to come over that night? No, there was not. Had he ever been over to the South Side Club? No, he has not ever been there. Did you even know if he knew you lived in the South Side Club? I had no idea if he even knew I lived there. But that's the type of banner y'all would send each other during the day? Yes, sir. Uh, later, when you were down at Blue Spirit, uh, did he uh, contact you again? Yes, he did. And what did he want to know? Or did he do that by text or phone He did. A, he texted me that night. What did he want to know at that time? He just wanted to know how everything was going. Okay. Anything unusual about that? No, sir. Uh, and then what time did you leave uh, Blue Spirit Jail, possibly? Uh, it was about 8.40ish, close to 9. Okay. Around that time, I think the jury has seen that uh, uh, Mark Rivera sent you a photograph. Yes, he did. Was that sexually suggested photograph? Yes, it was. Uh, and uh, soon after when you got to the southeast substation, uh, what did you do at that time? I, all three of us, because there was three officers left, so we drove around to each of our cars to put our equipment up. And then I, would, I went to dock my body camera and filled out the paperwork for what we did for that night or day. Okay. One of the texts that you sent, uh, Mark Rivera, talked about you being sleepy. Yes, I did. I think it actually says sleepy. Yes, sir. Uh, is that how you felt that day? Yes, I was tired by the end. Okay. Uh, as you were walking to your vehicle, and what kind of car do you drive? A white Dodge pickup. Okay. As you were walking to your Dodge pickup, whether it was had there been some more communication with Mark Rivera via text? Yes, there was. Uh, what was that about? Uh, we were just text. Um, I believe it was just still what was going on with the day, but eventually called me. Okay. And you you sent him a photograph also, is that right? Yes, I did. Is it? Uh, I believe the text one to touch. Yes, it did. More of the stuff you would do on a daily basis with him? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, when he called you, what were you were doing? What were you doing? I was driving. Um, I was leaving southeast and driving home. And that conversation lasted some time? Yes, it did. What did y'all talk about? We talked about what happened um, throughout the day and what we did with the suspects. He wanted to know if they confessed to any of the robberies, and then I was asking him about what his Boy Scout meeting and everything went with his kids. Did y'all often have these types of conversations? Yes, sir. Uh, would you usually call him or would he call you? He would call me. And what generally would he be doing when he called you? Usually he would just be leaving the gym or a store. Okay. And y'all just have casual conversations? Yes, sir. Okay. Did you call him off? No, I did not. Why not? I knew it was wrong, and I never knew where he was at, so always he always called me. He's married? Yes. All right. Did you, uh, as you drove uh, while you were talking to Martin Rivera, did you go the same way you always do back to the south side flat? Yes. Anything unusual happened during that drive? No, it did not. Okay. Uh, as you got back to the Southside Flats, we've seen some photographs and video of your truck going in. Do you recall that's, that's how you made entry? Yes. Uh, you didn't actually have to use a, a fob or card or anything like that? No. I had a gate opener to get in. But you were on the phone with Mark Rivera when you drove in? Yes, sir. Tell the jury where you went in your truck. 
I went up to the third floor to park my truck. You now know you weren't on the third floor. Yes. But you believe you were. I believed I was. Okay. Did you ever uh, uh, pull off anywhere to continue the conversation before you parked on what you believe was the third floor? No, I did not. Was the parking lot pretty full? Yes. Is there any place to pull off besides into a parking space? No, there is not. And you drove up to what you believe was the third floor? Yes, I did. And how did you park? I backed my truck in. Okay. Is that your normal procedure how you park? Yes, it was. Uh, once you parked, did you get off the phone or did the conversation continue? I stayed on the phone for a few minutes after I backed my truck in. What did you feel when you, you parked? Where did you uh, park at in, in, uh, in the parking lot? On the parking lot? I parked on there in front of the doorway that I always go in. I kept thinking I got so lucky to park somewhere close. I didn't have to carry all my equipment around or far. Okay. So you concluded the, the uh, phone call and you, you have equipment that you carry in every day? Yes, sir. Okay. You take that equipment home, uh, ever leave it at work, or is it something you have to bring home? It's something I always bring home. Okay. What kind of equipment is that? It's usually my lunchbox, my backpack, and my heavy vest. Okay. Got All right, I want to show you three items that are marked. Defendant 74, you recognize that? Yes, I do. What is that? That's my heavy vest. Okay. Oh. Yes, that's my heavy vest. Okay. Defendant 75. That's my lunchbox. And defendant 76. And that's my backpack. Okay. These are the items that you had in the car? Yes. Okay. We'll offer uh, defendants 74. Uh, uh, 75 and 76 with the understanding that will remove the contents of uh, defendant 75 judge now let me show you 74 again you say this is your what you call a heavy vest yes sir okay. tell the jury what you mean by heavy vest heavy vest is what's going to stop a, a rifle round it's more durable than a regular vest that goes under us but you still have to put it on over your uniform as well. And when do you wear this? Um, usually we wear it if we're serving a warrant or if we get a, like, go to a call where we know the suspect has a, something, a high powerful gun or just even a regular gun. Okay. Had you been wearing it this day? Yes, I have. Uh, did you wear it all day? No, I did not. What time of the day did you wear it? I believe I wore it during the first part, but I can't, I can't really remember. When you no, were I out at the uh, with SWAT? Yes, I believe. No, I didn't because I had my body camera on with SWAT. Okay. Then 76, what is this? It's my backpack. Okay. And you carry stuff you may use at work in this? Yes. Where do you usually store that? That's usually in the trunk of our car. Okay. 
Then 75, is that just your lunch? Yes. How heavy is this? Um, that's about 30 pounds. Okay. And that's defense 74? Yes. States 175. Uh, is that your truck parked uh, where you parked when you were finishing your phone call with Martin Revere? Yes, it was. You believe you were on the third floor at that time? Yes, I did. Is this the viewpoint you would have had it once you got out of the truck and closed your door? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, and States 25, is that a view of the truck as it would park looking back from the door? Yes, it is. We can see the parking spot is pretty cool. Yes, sir. So Please don't leave, Mr. Shirley. I'm sorry. Uh, once you got out of the truck, what did you do with your equipment? I carried it with me. Okay. Tell the jury how you usually carry the equipment. I always carry my equipment in my left arm. Okay. Why is that? We're always taught to keep um, your your hand the your gun side hand empty at all times. Okay. So your normal routine to carry all that equipment in, in your left hand. Yes, sir. As uh, as you got out and started to go to your apartment, uh, can you uh, tell the jury what path you took? I went directly down that path um, down the hallway. Okay. Uh, are there any markings, or can you point out any markings that you can see there near the doorway or on the on the columns? No, sir. Is that how it appeared on that day? Yes, sir. Okay. As you near the doorway, uh, is it your habit to look around at the roof lines, the skyline, anything like that? No, it is not. Do you remember how you entered that door? I just it was. I didn't need a key. States 88, is that a photograph of the hallway? Yes, it is. That's how you proceeded down the hallway? Yes, it was. Did you encounter anybody? No, I did not. Uh, what was your state of mind as you went down that first long hallway? I was just ready to go home. Just... As you turn left, uh, you go down another hallway, is that right? Yes, it is. Look at States 92, is that the uh, other hallway? Yes, it is. Stage 93, is that getting closer down the hall? Yes, it is. Let me uh, go back to 92 for a second. You said, talking about knowing where your apartment is, uh, can you see on the photograph the area where that courtyard is? Yes, it's on the left-hand side. Okay. Down in, well, I'll just point out here, down in this area we see a uh, 
lease tape, but down on the left side? Yes, by that guardrail. Okay. Uh, these columns here, do you know what they are? Those are emergency doors, or they're these metal doors that shut. They're open now? Yes. Right. And stage 93, is that a closer view of where the courtyard is? You see that over here? Yes, sir. pull out my keys and put it in the keyhole. Okay. And when you put it in the keyhole, what happens? Usually you put it in, a light will turn, it will be either green or red, and you turn it to the left to unlock it. Okay. I'll show you space 98. Does that show uh, uh, the area of, of the... Uh, that show uh, where the key goes in and also the hand? Yes, it is. Now, uh, when you're going home, you always have this equipment in your left, left uh, hand or left arm, is that right? Yes, I do. Okay, so how do you operate the, uh, the key into the door? I just put it into the keyhole, turn it left, and then I would open the door handle or pull the door handle down and just push the door open. All with your right hand? Yes, sir. Okay, so you have to put the key in, Get it to unlock? Yes. And then use the handle? Yes, sir. Okay. And all the time you're holding your equipment, is that right? Yes. Okay. And obviously you have to turn this handle to open the door and get it open. Yes, sir. Uh, I want to show you another photo. Mark uh, 1063. You see that? Yes, sir. Okay, that's a measurement from the, the ground up as to the height of where that key goes in. Yes. 64. You see the number there? Yes, I do. What's that? 43. Okay, and 42 where the actual key looks like it goes in? Yes, sir. Step down for a moment, please. And I'm, uh, you're wearing flats this time, right? Yes. Now your uh, work boots would they been a, maybe a little bit taller? Yes. How tall? Are you? <coughs> okay. Gonna have you to take your voice up since we're up. We're up. Five three. Can you hear that? Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Five three. Okay. So you would have been a little bit taller that day. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, we've got the, uh, the the tape here up to uh, 42 inches. Can you just stand up next to that, put your back to the wall, so we can see where that uh, strikes you on your body. Okay. Is that the height you 
you had to use to put the key into the keyhole? Yes, sir. circumstances what is relevant in this case is going to be what happened on September the 6th so I object to the relevance um, can I see the Yes. You've uh, you told us about how you <coughs> normally open that door. But it didn't happen that way, did it? That day. Okay. I'm going to uh, I want to go through a few things that happened at that door in that room uh, with you now, okay? Yes, sir. Okay. As you inserted the key, or started to insert the key into the lock, did you see anything wrong with the door? I saw it was cracked open. Okay, keep your voice up. It is cracked open. Okay. And that's as you're putting the key in? Yes, sir. And when you say cracked open, you see the exhibit on the uh, on the monitor. Okay, you remember that video when they show how the door didn't close? Now this is from the inside. Were you viewing the same type of situation the door from the outside? Yes, I was. Okay. As the uh, key goes into the, the keyhole, that's when you saw the door? Judge, I'm going to object to the leading again. It's the same. Did you see anything else? or notice anything else uh, at that point in time? I heard moving around inside my apartment. What type of moving around? Like loud shuffling, someone walking. Okay. What happened when the key actually went into the keyhole? It forced the door open. Normally, you have to unlock it and turn it over. Yes, you do. Judge, you're going to object to the leaving. Judge, I'm just trying to reorient from prior testimony so we can get through this. But you cannot leave, Mr. Sir. Okay. What do you do normally? When I come home, I just put the key into the keyhole, and then I turn it to the left, and then I turn, unlock, or use the door to go and turn it down and push open the door. And what happened this time? 
what happened was I put the key into the key, the lock, to see that it's cracked open. And at the same time, I'm hearing this moving around. But me putting that key, the key fob into the lock, it's pushing the door open. And everything's happening all at once. Um, okay, let me ask you that. We, we're breaking this down, but how fast can you tell the jury this is happening? Less than two seconds. <coughs> the motions of me doing all this is less than two seconds. Tell the jury what you felt inside and what you felt in your brain when you heard, when you saw those three things happen. I was scared to death. How quickly did that happen? Less than two seconds. It was quick. Okay. Why were you scared? I was sick. I thought I came home and somebody, they're inside my apartment. And that was alerting me on this. Your heart rate just skyrocketed. Feeling you never want to feel again. Your Honor, if, if the demonstration is over, I <laughs> it's not on? over, Judge. I'll sit down when it's over. Okay, let's go through the demonstration and we can do the discussions later. Can I yes. refrain from being interrupted? Well, if Could you instruct me? the need to object, he oh, has okay. the right to object. Our right. next question, Mr. Shook. Now, as you, you were telling the jury what you were feeling, I think you were saying something about what, what, what you were being in your chest. Was, I compare it to being into a car wreck. Right before you hit that car, you literally just, everything freezes up inside your body. You don't know what's going to happen next. It's just fear, pure fear inside of you. Was there a light on inside your apartment? Or what you believe was your apartment? No, there was not. As that door began to open, what were you looking for? What was going through your mind? My cat. Since I knew somebody was moving around inside my apartment, I wanted just to find that threat. What were you feeling? Fear. You were scared as crap. As the door opened, uh, did you see a, uh, anything in your apartment? Yes, I did. That's whenever directly in the middle towards the windows when I saw the silhouette figures standing back there. I'm sorry. I can't do my Repeat that again, please, in a loud voice. Whenever I fully opened the door, it was I saw this silhouette figure standing in the back middle apartment by the window. You're saying figure? Yes. Okay. Uh, as you were open, and, and how did the door get fully open? I used my left arm to fully open it, and at that time, that's whenever I'm drawing my service weapon out. All at the same time? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, when you saw that figure, uh, or silhouette of a figure at the back, did you do anything? Yes. I looked, that's whenever I pulled my gun out, and I yelled at him. It's like, let me see your hands, let me see your hands. What was the figure doing? Moving around. Okay. Did that cause you some concern? Yes. Why is that? I couldn't see his hands. How fast is his hat? Real fast. It's seconds. Okay. Are you still holding your equipment? Yes, I am. Uh, how is the door staying open? I'm using, it prop I'm using my equipment to prop it open because those doors are heavy. Okay. What did the figure do after you said, let me see your hands? started coming towards me. Uh, how fast was he coming towards you? A fast-paced walk. Wasn't running? Wasn't running. All right. When you saw him coming towards you, what was going through your mind? 
Did you hear anything as he was walking towards you? He, there was a loud yell. He was yelling, hey, 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 in an aggressive voice. Okay. I'll let you put this down. Now. First, I want to put you over here. You said... You saw this figure against the wall and he was moving around. Yes. Can you just demonstrate for us the manner in which you saw the figure moving around? He was just moving around, pacing back and forth. Okay. And that's what you saw when you opened the door? Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, and then you described what you, you, you the commands you, you uh, told him? Yes. Okay. We, I want you to imagine that you're at... Where exactly were you inside the apartment? I was at the doorway. I remember feeling that silver bottom thing on my feet. Okay. So you're at that area. This is the doorway. And we talked about this before, haven't we? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, this general area in here, do you feel that's the area as close as the speaker got towards you? Yes, sir. Okay. Do you know your... The length of your apartment from the front door to that back where the figure was is how far? 30 feet. Okay. And I showed you a mark of this about right here. Yes, sir. Okay. Now I want you to uh, first tell the jury exactly how loud you said, let me see your hands. I said, let me see your hands, let me see your hands. And you had the gun point. Yes, sir. And the figure was moving around as you described? Yes, I have, I have my gun pointed, and I'm saying, let me see your hands, let me see your hands. What were you focused on? Him. Just him? Yes. And then he began coming towards you? Yes. And as he became coming towards you, that's when you heard him speak? Yes. Okay, I'm going to do that now, all right? Yes, sir. Hey! 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 And that's at that point whenever I shot. Somewhere in this area? Yes, sir. When you shot, what happened? He fell down. Okay. Go ahead and take a seat. And why did you shoot Andrew? I was scared he was going to kill me. We talked about that. You've broken that down. Did it take that long as what you walked through? No, sir. It was much quicker than that. When you saw the figure, could you tell man, woman, anything like that? In the, in the back of the room, no, you cannot see who, who it was. All right. After you fired those shots, what's the next thing that you did? I walked fully inside the apartment. I still had my gun outside since I didn't even, at that point, I didn't know if it wasn't, if he was armed. It wasn't to that point when I got to the counter area when everything started realizing that I wasn't even this wasn't my apartment what did you start noticing I started noticing the ottoman in the middle of the floor okay now could you see any light in the apartment this time it I finally saw that there was this the tv light was on is that the first time you noticed it yes it was prior to 
to that, where had your complete attention been? On the threat, on the person that I thought was inside my apartment. As you saw the ottoman and you moved closer to this person laying on the ground, what's the next thing you saw or felt? What do you mean? Or As you're getting closer, what was going through your mind? As I was getting closer, that's when it started. It started hitting me that this guy, I have no idea who he is. And that's when everything just, it started to spin. I was confused. And that's when I dialed 911. Where were you when you started to dial 911? I was kneeling down next to him. Did you know what had happened or starting the process what happened when you knelt down next to him? Yes, I started. I knew I had shot him. I wasn't sure where he was hit on his body. Um, I started doing some compressions with my left hand. What were you doing with your right hand? I was on the phone with 911. Is that when we first heard the 911 when you when it, the operator picks up? Yes, sir. You were trying to do a compression with your left hand? Yes. Had you ever done CPR before? No, I have not. Did you do that very long? No, I did not. What caused you to stop? What caused you to stop doing the CPR when you were on 911? Dispatcher asked me what a, where I was at. I had no idea where I was at. I had to get up and go outside and look at what apartment number I was. And that's what we hear on the 911 site when you you uh, finally find the, the number. Yes, sir. How did you do that? I stepped outside and just looked up, and that's when I saw I was in 1478. And did you tell the operator that at that time? Yes. And then what did you do next? I went back to Mr. John. Okay. Do you remember turning on the line? No. I have no idea what part. I had so many thoughts racing through my head. I, I turned on the light. I have no idea when I turned that light on. Did that happen after the shoot? Yes, it did. You know that for a fact? Yes, I do. As you went back in, where did you go next? I went to sit by Mr. John. Okay. Did you start trying to do a compression at all after that? I started to do a sternum rub on him. Okay. What's a sternum rub? I've seen a lot of paramedics do a sternum rub. A sternum rub is usually you use like your um, fist and you rub the um, sternum of someone's chest. Usually that wakes up a lot of people who are unconscious and it hurts. Okay. Why did you want to do that? I wanted him to keep breathing. There wasn't he, the state he was in. I knew it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Was he conscious at all? Did you tell? He was a little conscious. Okay. Uh, we hear things uh, from time to time on the 911. Stay with me, bud things like that. What are you doing when we hear those things? Do you know? I'm doing the sternum rub on him. I'm rubbing his chest, just trying to keep him, just trying to keep him there. I want to play that 911 tape for you again, and then I'll have some questions for you, okay? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm just saying.
someone there with me. throughout the hall and I just wanted them to know where I was at. Those officers came in and had you leave the apartments in there? Yes, they did. They told me to get out. And officers, uh, Valentine told you to, to leave eventually the Yes, she did. We know that you sent a couple of texts towards the end of that call, three minutes, 25 seconds to Mark Luther. I did. Tell the jury why you sent those texts. I was by myself in a, with someone I had just shot. I didn't, I didn't have the help of another partner to help me with the CPR on him. I was alone with him, and that's the scariest thing you can ever imagine. I just wanted help. I wanted someone there, and he was the first one. That my partner I trusted that I could know he could be there for me. After you left the apartment, officers arrived. Did you, you cooperate with the investigation? Yes, I did what I was told to do. Did you, uh, you gave blood? Yes, I did. In uniform? Yes, I did. The next day, you speak with Judge, I object. This question violates the motion and limiting and this court's very clear instructions. Can we approach the bench, Your Honor? 
Objection is sustained. Let's move on, Mr. Sherman. was on him. I just wanted help there. I wanted someone there fast. You loved your job as a police officer. I did. What did you love about it? Judge, I'm Jack Terrellis. Every single time I 
and I ask God for forgiveness, and I hate myself every single day. I feel like I don't deserve a chance to be with my family and friends. I wish he was the one with the gun that killed me. I never wanted to take an innocent person's life. I am so sorry. This is not about hate. It's about being scared that night. In your bags, the pack that you had, uh, there was various bandages, things like that. Do you recall that? Knew they put them in there a while ago. Did you ever think about even using those during this incident? No. It was panic. It was panicky. You sent some texts to Martin Rivera. Yes, I did. Did you delete those texts? I did. Did that happen that night? When did that happen? It happened very. I deleted them. I was ashamed. I was in a relationship. I was in a relationship with him. Some beggars. Had you deleted his text before? Yes, I have. Is that your normal routine? Yes, it was. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, on the actual day, on September the 6th, 2018, uh, you were captured a lot on body cam. Isn't that correct? Yes, sir. It's and true. in car video. Isn't that right? Yes. Okay. Your Honor, may I publish the remainder of State's Exhibit Number 10 at this time? Yes. So the representation that you've made today, crying uh, very heavily, about all the stuff that you did to Mr. John and how awful that made you feel. Did you feel that at the time on September 6th? Did you feel that kind of sympathy for him as well? Yes, I was.
going to move back. Do you remember this this in-car video? Yes, it's Sergeant Valentine's. Right, Sergeant Valentine's video. As she's about to move the car towards you while you're standing underneath the carport. You're aware that these particular in-car videos capture two perspectives, right? You have the perspective from the car looking out, looking at right now. So yes. Yes, sir. You also have the perspective from inside the car, so that you can see the individual inside the car that might later be used as evidence. Correct. Yes, sir. Okay. So, after pulling up on the scene here, stopping at 221619. You got a bunch of your friends around there, isn't that right? Yes, sir. Those people aren't involved in the police investigation, are they? No, sir. Those are your friends that have come there, right? Yes, sir. You remember you were talking about how alone you felt out there at the scene? Yes, sir. Okay, and you, I think you even told the jury uh, you being allowed out there with him, alone with him, was the scariest thing you can imagine because you couldn't find a partner or anything. Remember saying that to the jury? When I was inside the apartment, I yes, was alone. Exactly. That's the scariest thing you can imagine, right? Yes, sir. All right, can you imagine Mr. Jean's perspective, an intruder barging into his apartment, somebody on the other side of that door being you, going in with the purpose of finding the threat and taking care of it, and then having been shot and fallen and being alone in that apartment? Can't you imagine that being a little bit scarier than you just being alone at the moment? Yes, sir, I can. So that would probably be the scariest thing you can imagine. That's how I felt at the time. I understand how you felt, but you've told the jury because, see, Ms. Geiger, you, you are very concerned about how you feel, right? No. Can you imagine what that man felt? That's what hurts. So let's look at this video, State's Exhibit Number 10. That's all your friends that have come there for your comfort, right? I didn't ask them to come. I don't, that doesn't matter to me. They're there for your comfort and you're taking advantage of it. No, sir. All right. I'm going to play this. That's Sergeant Valentine coming to get you away from your friends and take you to the car, isn't that right? Yes, sir. Because you should be taken away from everybody, isn't that right? You should be in that car. Yes, sir. All right, I'm going to change it now so we can see you inside the vehicle, all right? All right, so that's you talking, right? Yes, sir. You're not crying like you are today. You're asking her, should I keep this thing rolling? What are you talking about? It's an in-car video. Right. So you're you're talking normally, and you say, should I keep this thing rolling? Yes, sir. Okay, and, and Sergeant Valentine tells you, uh, yeah, keep it rolling, but just don't say anything, right? Yes, she does. Okay. What are you doing inside the car right now, Miss Geiger? I have my phone. What are you doing on your phone, Ms. Geiger? I don't remember exactly what I was doing at that moment. Then you get out of the car. You go back over to your friends, don't you? I don't remember where I go to.
you see that, Miss Geiger? No, I did not. What happened just outside your window? Can we play it again? Yes, please. Once you look out the window of the, the car door when you get back in and shut the door. I mean, there is a reason why you went back into the car, isn't there? I don't know. Okay, look what's happening just to the left outside that window as you get in and shut the door. Does that refresh your recollection of what was happening just outside your door? Mm, no. That's them carrying the dying body of both and John right past the car. Isn't that the truth? Yes, sir. Okay. And, that, and what made you get in the car was them bringing the body down and walking right past you. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. All right. Then. I'm going to watch it one more time. Mr. John is lying on a stretcher being carried by paramedics, right? Yes, sir. You can see what you've done. He's passed. What do you go do again? I looked at my phone because I didn't want to see his body. Looks like you're trying to text somebody again, right? And just, I looked down at my phone. I don't know what I was doing. It's do hard. You, do you see your phones moving? Like you're scrolling yes, around? Yes, I do. I don't know what I'm looking at. Thank you, Ron. You also said, Ms. Geiger, um, that a day or so after this particular event, Your Honor, I now post that just to make sure I that. Exhibits that at least ask her concerning the relationship after the Sixth. Yes. Okay. So, Ms. Geiger, you also ex expressed to the jury that the re one of the reasons why you deleted all those texts and put them <coughs> from that particular evening was because you felt ashamed about your relationship with Martin Rivera. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. But starting on September the 8th again, even though with all the texts that you deleted before that, on September the 8th, you're again sending flirtatious messages with him, sexually oriented messages back and forth with Martin Rivera again, and now we're talking about getting drunk. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. So, I mean, how long does this this remorse on your part of this this feeling about that what you've been doing is wrong, how long did that last? A day or two? It lasted every day. So as this family is thinking about having to bury their son and their brother, Two days after the event, you are already going back to talking about getting drunk and doing sexual things with Martin Rivera. Yes, I did. Okay, let's talk about your, your 911 call that Mr. Shook played again for the jury. That was about a five-minute conversation, <coughs> wasn't that right? Yes, sir. And in that conversation, you made it very clear to the 911 call taker why you shot Mr. Jean. Yes, sir. You said, I shot a man thinking he was in my apartment. I did say that. You said that. 
right? Yes, sir, I did say Okay. That. And then you, for 19, 20, or 21 times over the period of five minutes, you kept on repeating, I thought it was my apartment, I thought it was my apartment. So you had the time and the inclination and the desire to express to the call taker exactly why you shot both of John, didn't you? It wasn't, I couldn't even express everything I was feeling. What you didn't say to the call taker not one single time was that he was coming at me. You didn't say that, did you? I didn't say it, but I know say, he did. Ms. Geiger, I'm just going to ask you to answer my questions, okay? Yes, sir. You didn't say it one time. Legit. She was trying to answer his question. Your Honor, my question. I'm sorry. Is there an objection? Yes, Judge. Could you instruct the prosecutor to wait for the witness to answer the question before you answer? Your Honor, I have. Allow her to answer your question. I will, Your Honor. I asked her whether or not she made that comment. She indicated no, she didn't. And then she went on into a narrative, Your Honor. You didn't express one time that you shot him because he was coming at you. I did not on the you, phone. You did. Sorry? I did not over the phone. You did not express one time that he was armed. I did not. You didn't say one time that he put you in fear. I did not. Also, when officers Blair and Lee arrived and came in, you met them in the hallway. Yes, I could. Yes, I did. You also told them that you shot a person thinking that they were that this person was in your apartment. I did tell them that. You didn't say one time I thought he was armed, did you? I did not. You didn't say one time he was coming at me, did you? I did not. And he was still alive, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And if you really truly in your heart of hearts believed that he had had a weapon or that he was really a threat, you would have told them, listen, I haven't patted him down, I haven't searched him, and I think he might have a weapon. That's what you'd do for a fellow officer, wouldn't you? I could What I felt at that time is what I felt. If you thought that there was a weapon, you would have told your, the other Dallas police officers coming up on scene to be cautious, wouldn't you? Not at that moment. All right. So you didn't say one thing to them? No. About any kind of threat that Mr. Jean posed to you at all? Not at that moment. All right. You also indicated um, that you've never done CPR before. No, I have not. Well, you were trained to do CPR in the academy, were you not? We were trained. I've never done it on an actual person. All right, so to, at least then to the extent that you were, um, you weren't suggesting that you didn't know how to properly perform CPR. They taught us briefly in the academy. You knew how to perform CPR properly, right? I never done it on a person. I couldn't say I actually. Ms. Geiger, were you trained to do CPR properly? Yes, we were. Okay, were you at those classes? Yes, I was. Were you paying attention during those classes? Yes, I was. Did you properly perform CPR on Mr. John? No, I did not. And I you didn't. could have, right? I tried to do little CPR. Why would you try and do a little CPR on a man who's dying who needs your full attention? Because I had to keep getting up to see where I was at. I that was more important than giving life-saving uh, help to this man. I had no idea where I was at. You were able to tell the 911 call taker very, very soon on that you were in apartment 1478. After that moment, why couldn't you have given him full, undivided, and proper attention? I was still on the phone with... You can put the phone on speakerphone, ma'am. I had so much stuff racing through my head. Oh, obviously, you were also able, at least on two occasions, to... You must have stopped completely giving him CPR when you sent a message to Mark Rivera saying, I need you to hurry, right? I did text him that. Okay, and so you must have at that point stopped CPR entirely. Yes, I did. And then 
Not even a minute later, you must have stopped CPR entirely again to send a second message to Martin Rivera. I was already out in the hallway. At... Oh, so you had already left him. That's whenever they told me to leave, the officers. So that's, no, ma'am, I'm talking about at 10.03 p.m. Uh, Mr. Lee, Officer Lee, and Officer Blair didn't arrive until almost 10.05. Yes, I do at, remember that, like, whenever they showed me, I sent those text messages. At 10.03 p.m. and at 10.02 p.m., you sent messages, text messages to Mark Rivera. Yes, I did. Text messages that would have required you to have put the phone in a place where you can see it, and you used your fingers to write out the words, I need you hurry, dot, 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 right? I don't remember how many hands I used. But you texted Mr. Rivera using your hands. Yes, I did. And as you were doing that, you were unable to give Mr. Jean your full attention, the attention that he deserved. Yes, I did. And then you made the choice to do that a second time. Isn't that true? Yes, sir. All right, so at both of those times, you put your needs and your wants over his. I still cared about him. Did you put your needs and your wants over him when you decided to do that? No, sir. All right. And then you went out into the hall. You left him alone. I, when I heard the officers coming, I stepped outside. So you you decided to do something other than continue to give Mr. Jean life-saving measures? I wanted somebody there fast to get him You're out. You're not answering my questions, are you? Yes, sir, I am. When you went out into the hall, you did that because that was what you chose to do, even though you knew you should be given that man life-saving treatment. Yes, sir. You didn't know that he was going to die. I mean, you knew he was in really bad shape, right? Yes. You didn't know at that moment in time that you'd actually shot him and severed his uh, ventricle from his heart. You didn't know that, right? No, I did not. In those moments, you know as a trained officer just how critical it is to make sure that you give life-saving treatment as fast and as proper as possible so you can maximize their ability to survive. You know that. Yes, sir. And yet, despite knowing that repeatedly, you made choices and decisions that suited you more than him. No, sir. Uh, you also indicated that you had done CPR, but yet there's no blood anywhere on your uniform or on your shoes. There is not. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about is you, you and Mr. Shook kind of recreated from your recollection uh, what you were able to see inside apartment 1478, especially with respect to the movement of Mr. Jean. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. And I'm going to see if I can recreate this. So you said this was about 30 feet away, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And you said that you saw Mr. Jean doing some sort of a pacing thing, right? Yes, he was moving back and forth. Okay, how many seconds did this last? Very few. Two, three, four, five? Very, I couldn't give you an exact number. Okay, well, I, I want something a little bit as best you can give me. Maybe two or three seconds. Okay, two or three seconds, you're, sit, you're standing there at the door. The door is fully open, right? Yes, sir. The hallway, the hallway that you're standing in with the door fully open, there's bright lights out in that hallway, isn't there? They're, it's lidded. It's, it's bright as heck, isn't that right? Yes, sir. Okay. And those lights were coming into uh, Mr. John's apartment, which allowed you to see him doing this, right? I could see from, like, the, like, 
it was just lit, so you could still see his movements a little bit from, I guess. I'm asking you a very simple question. From where you were standing in the doorway, you've indicated to Mr. Shook that you were able to see him standing at the back doing this, and you've indicated that was for about two or three seconds. Is that your testimony or not? Yes, it is. Okay. So you were able to see the furthest into the furthest reaches of his apartment from the door, and you were able to actually see him doing a very distinct, distinct motion. He was moving. Okay. And so then you said you saw him walking. Yes. coming towards you. Yes. Okay, and then you said that at about here, from here to where you were at the door, that's where that's when you decided to shoot twice. Yes, sir. Okay, that's called a double tap, right? Yes, sir. Is that what you were intending? Yes, sir. That's your training, isn't it? It's what we're trained to do. You're, it's training. Double tap maximizes the lethality of your shooting, doesn't it? Yes, sir. I mean, it's better than one shot to the heart. Um, okay just did what I was trained to do. Because you resort to training, right? Yes, I do. Uh, you rely on your training? Yes, sir. It aids you? Yes, sir. And in crisis, you resort to your training? Yes, sir. Okay, we're gonna come back to that. So you indicated to Mr. Shook that Mr. John was standing about here, you're in the door when you shot him twice. You shot him twice. Yes, sir. So is that gonna be right there in the main hallway of, your, of that apartment, like when you open up the door? Let's, let me just reorient this. So this is the door to apartment 1478, right? Yes, sir. You with me? Yes. It opens to the left, just like this, right? Yes. All right, so you're saying that you're standing inside, somewhere here around the door, and you see him coming from the very back, coming right at you. Yes, I did. Okay, so it's going to be in that main corridor, like if you compare it to your apartment, where your little baker's rack and your clock is, that main hallway, right? Yes, I Explain it again, please. Okay, so are you talking about the main pathway in that particular apartment where from the door you can see all the way back to the end of 1478? Yes. Okay, so it's in that main pathway. Yes, sir. Okay, so you indicated this was where Mr. John was standing then and the front door where you were standing was right in front. Yes, sir. Okay, and that's when he shot him twice. Yes, sir. And when Mr. Shook came walking up, this was the position he was standing in when you confirmed that that's when you shot him. He came at me saying he was standing in that position, yes. That's true. And I did not mention that, and I thank you for clarifying that. One of the things that happened in the walk from 30 feet up to here was that Mr. John said, hey, hey, right? Yes. Something like that. Yes, sir. You don't fault him for that, do you? Not now. No, it's his apartment. I know that now. Yeah. And so when you shot him, you indicated with Mr. Shook, Mr. Shook was standing right here, and that's where you shot him twice, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So, and this was the position Mr. Shook was standing, right? Yes, yes sir. Okay. Can you give us then some sort of an explanation that would satisfy the jury how then you have a bullet hole that's over in the rightmost corner of the apartment over there if this is where he's standing? That I cannot explain. It's not, I'm not an it expert It's just that. physically impossible, isn't it? I don't know that for okay. sure. Okay. Can you explain to me, you saw the medical examiner, right? You saw his testimony about the path of the bullet? I did. All right, so that would have indicated... Stand up again. Watch your step, please. Take a normal shooting position. You have a one-handed shooting position, correct? Yes. All right. Mr. Jean is a good four inches taller than me. In order for that bullet to have gone into him at that angle, he must have been bent over something like this, right? I don't know what he was. If 
You saw the trajectory that the medical examiner testified to. Do you have any reason to think that the medical examiner is lying? I don't. But you, so your testimony is that he was standing straight up looking you in the eye, or looking right at you when you shot him in the chest. Yes, sir, when I saw him. The last thing I saw. So you were looking that man right in the eye when you shot him in the heart? I wouldn't say his eye. I was looking at the person that was standing in front of me. Okay, your training, not only did you do a double tap, again relying on your training, but you shot him exactly where you as a police officer are trained to aim, didn't you? Yes, that's where we're trained. Where are you trained to shoot a human being? On, re rephrase that? Where are you trained oh. to shoot a human being? In the center mass. That's right. And you're trained repeatedly when you qualify to shoot at an individual's center mass if you wish to stop them. Yes, sir. All right. And you know, you know what a bullet is, don't you? I do. So you knew when you were shooting that gun that you were using deadly force against Mr. Jean? At the, yes, it was a threat at the time. Ma'am, will you answer my questions, please? Yes, sir. When you shot at Mr. Jean, you knew you were using deadly force against him. Yes. You know what a bullet can do, don't you? Yes, I do. And when you shot at him twice, you intended to kill him. Y yes, sir. All right. So all this stuff about it being a, a sad mistake, at the moment in time when rubber meets the road, when you pulled that trigger, you intended to kill Mr. John. He was the threat. Yes, sir. Will you answer my question? When you aimed and pulled the trigger at Mr. Jean, shooting him in center mass exactly where you are trained, you intended to kill Mr. Jean? I did. You indicated to Mr. Shook that you gave loud verbal commands, uh, and I hope I wrote it down right, let me see your hands. Is that right? Yes, I did. Okay. And in court today, You've been somewhat soft-spoken, but I know as a police officer, you have an outside voice, don't you? I do. All right. So when you say and you give loud verbal commands, your loud verbal commands weren't like you told this jury today, were they? They were loud. I told him to let me see your hands, let me see your hands. Okay. Why don't you really tell him how a police officer gives loud verbal commands when they really want compliance? Judge, You said a, a real police officer. I can rephrase it, Your As as a police officer, when it really matters, how do you give a loud verbal command? In an authoritative and clear voice. You would have said, "Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands." Right? It would be a loud voice. That's yes. Right. Not like you showed them earlier today. You would have been almost screaming that at him, wouldn't you? I didn't scream it. All right. But you're saying that that happened at the threshold of the door with the door open, right? Yes, sir. So you're actually partially in the hallway. My, um, yes, I guess you can say that. Okay. You're not fully in the, in the apartment and you're not fully in the hallway. You're right in the middle, right? Yes, sir. You understand that neighbors say that they can call the neighbors that testify along that hall who are closest to Mr. Jean. Yes. The people that live, I mean, the ones that we call those witnesses are the ones who live 
across from him, next door to him, the closest as we could find possible of 300 people that live there, right? Yes, sir. I one of them heard you say that. I can't tell you why. Well, it's because you didn't say it. Not true, sir. I want to talk to you now about the decision before you actually went in. So, again, I want you to, to go over what you told Mr. Shook, okay? You said, and I'm going to use this again as the door to 1478, alright? You said it was slightly ajar and that you noticed that, right? Yes, sir. And you said that you put the key in with your right hand. You noticed the red light blinking, didn't you? No, I did not. Okay. But when you did that, the door, even though it's weighted and, and it's going to close on its own, pushed open a little bit, didn't you? The force of the, me putting the key in opened it. Okay, so that force. But you said that just from that small amount of force that you put just to put the key in and the door opening a little bit, you could hear movement inside, like shuffling or moving around. Yes. Okay. And then you said you made the decision at that point, from that perspective... I wanted, as the door began to open, I was wanting to find the threat. Yes, there's somebody, in, there was someone in my apartment. Right. And you knew that before this door had been fully opened. Yeah. You wanted to find the threat and fully open that door, and that's when you saw Mr. Jean. No, sir. No, sir. It's, it happened so quickly. You said, I put the key in and I hear moving around. As the door began to open, I wanted to find the threat. As the door was opened fully, that's when you saw the silhouette. Yes, sir. So you knew from outside that door, with the protection of that door between you, that there was a, something inside that was making noise. Yes, sir. Okay. So here were your options then. Your options were, at this point, to go in and find the threat, or your option would have been, I'm going to back off, I'm going to take a position of cover and concealment, and I'm going to get some help out here. Those are options, right? They are. Okay. But you chose option A, which was, I'm going in to find the threat. That was, that was the only option that went through my head. I was at home. Ma'am, will you answer my questions? Yes, sir. You chose to go in and find the threat, even though you were in a position to have taken cover and concealment, right? No, sir. Your training, which you've told this jury several times now, that you revert to, you've told them that, right? Yes, I have. You rely on that training is what you've said. Yes, I do. That's why you pulled the gun when you pulled the gun, right? Yes, sir. That's why you keep your right hand empty. Yes, sir. That's why you backed your truck in, correct? Yes, sir. Because that's what police do, right? Yes, sir. But you're telling me at the most critical moment of the entire thing, your training just abandoned you. No, sir. No, because your training says that when you're at this point here, for officer safety, to maximize your safety, do not go inside that apartment. On a call. Ma'am, your general orders indicate that you are on duty 24-7. They do. And you know that that training is designed for your safety, first and foremost. 
Yes, sir. And that's not only what your orders are. That's how you guys are trained. Yes, sir. So for your safety, you should have taken a position of cover and concealment and got help. And instead, you decided to go in. Yes, I did go in. You had a police radio on you, didn't you? I did. Did it work? It did. You live two blocks away from police headquarters? Yes, sir. You know that when you call out as a, as a police officer, the number one thing for every other police officer is to come and help you if you say that you need help. Yes, sir. You know that the response time on this call was about two minutes and bodies were at the apartment. Yes, sir. So you could have taken a position of cover and concealment. You could have called for help on your radio. You could have had the cavalry there in two minutes. I could have. You could have had SWAT mobilized. It, they could have. You could have had K-9 mobilized. They could have also. Right. And had you done any one of those things, Mr. Jean would probably be alive today. Right? Yes, sir. Nevertheless, you wanted to go in and find the threat, and that's exactly what you did, right? I did that. And even after you opened the door, even though you had all those options before the door was closed open, even after that door was opened, you told the jury 30 feet away, you're seeing Mr. Jean at the furthest back point of his apartment doing some sort of a side-to-side -side motion. Right? I saw a silhouette. And ask it again. From the door, you've testified that you could see Mr. Jean doing a side-to-side -side motion. Yes, sir. Okay. And then you've testified on this cross-examination that you watched that for, I think you said, two or three seconds. Yes, it was, I think it was. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that approximately two to three seconds, right? Yes, sir. In that two to three seconds, let's just let's just watch it. <coughs> One, two, three. In that two to three seconds, you could have done that too, couldn't you? I was. I could. You could have done that as well, couldn't you? Have? Do what? You could have backed away and let that door shut on its own. I could have. You could have done that. Yes, sir. You chose not to do that. No, sir. Instead, you chose to pull your gun to level it off and shoot at Mr. John. I did do that. That was your choice. It was my choice. Even though you could have backed off at least twice now to a position where you would have been more safe and he would have been alive. I could have. Pull over. I did not pull over. Let me 
just ask the question again because I just want to make sure I understand it. Are you telling this jury that when you entered the parking garage, you drove all the way from the gate up to the fourth floor, backed in just as we see your pickup truck? I did. Okay, without making any kind of stops in between? No. Do you understand, you've seen from the uh, video records of the Southside Flats, ma'am, that your truck enters at approximately 946, right? Yes, sir. That is your truck? Yes, sir. And then you heard the testimony of Mr. Jones, the coach and the chemistry teacher, uh, who came in here and swore to, and talked to this jury, right? Yes, sir. So he entered at about 953, 954, which is going to be seven to eight minutes after you. Yes, sir. Okay, and his testimony was that he drove around up to the fourth floor and he parked sometime around 9.54 p.m. Couldn't have been any earlier because that's when he drove in. And that he parked and that he saw you coming around the corner driving in such a way that made him take notice of your white truck. I heard him say that. So you believe that to be a lie? I don't, can't, I don't think I drove that fast that night. Okay, but you understand that if he saw you do that, unless he's lying to the jury for some reason, then you couldn't have already been there like you testified to. I couldn't answer that, sir. I mean, he, his testimony was pretty clear that you stood up, especially after you got out of the truck, because you're a police officer. I did back up into my truck and stay on the phone. Alright, you're gonna, you're gonna stick with that, but you did not pull over. I do not ever remember pulling over. said that another thing in this conversation that you were having, Mr. Rivera, because it was a rather long one, right? 16 minutes and 44 seconds. It was a pretty good conversation. Yes, it was. Y'all were talking about, um, you know, the arrest that, that had happened that he was part of, that the part, I guess, after he had left is what y'all were talking about for that period of time. Yes, sir. You said that another subject of conversation was about the Boy Scout meeting that he had to attend, right? Yes, sir. But y'all had already talked about that over text, so why would you have been talking about that again? Text, 